this is the Finding Common Ground uh, podcast, and Luke Martin and myself, Butch Rogers, are the host. And our episode one, I told my story. And now we're going to hear Luke's story today. And part of Finding Common Ground is connecting with each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And when we connect with each other's stories, now, now that I find more out about that person, we can live life together in harmony and peace. So is, even though I know Luke, I would say fairly well, I'm going to learn some things about Luke today that I didn't know. And as I'm sure that he learned about me that he didn't know when I was sharing my story. So I want to, we're going to hear Luke's story today. And so I want to basically just ask him, Luke, you know, we, we talked that first week about this process of life, this of order, disorder or chaos, and then reorder. And I think that that pretty much fits for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you've uh, you've shared with me a little bit ahead of time some of the things that you're going to talk about today, and and that that came through very clearly. That there, here's here's order, here's chaos or disorder, and then a reordering that has taken place. And I right. I think that both of us can in our stories that really comes through so i want i want to go back to that order in your life okay you know uh, you as a young man a young boy um that order that was put into your life and and Mm -hmm. and who who was who helped you with that and and tell us a little bit about that yeah absolutely um i i had the benefit of growing up in a christian home and I like to think of it that way. I'm, I'm very grateful for a lot of the values that were taught to me and were instilled in me. You could almost say conditioned in yeah, me, if sure. you will. Um, I've had along the way many great teachers, so to speak. I don't consider them teachers anymore. I like to learn from everybody. Yeah. Um, but I've had so many people speak into my life in a positive way. And that started out with, with my family. Um, you know, I had two loving parents uh, and loving grandparents. Um, but to some degree, the Martin story was a little bit whitewashed for me. It was the, the rough edges were smoothed out. We didn't talk about what great grandpa maybe struggled with. And then I found out as, a, as, a, as an adult, we did know what great grandpa right. struggled with. Do, do, do you think that that might be common pretty much in most families though I do I do because I think there's a sense of there's a lack of vulnerability within families yeah and I think as parents and I'm, I'm speaking more to, to my experience sure. as a father sure you want to be the person that knows it all you want right. to be you want to be the, the 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 lightning rod for someone to come to you and, and get the answers and as a parent with a child many times the parent wants to do that and, and don't do you think that some of that whitewashing it's there's various reasons for that but some of it i think in, with the little with little kids it's we think we're protecting them and we maybe are sure uh, so maybe some of that is due to the parents just saying ah oh, they don't need to know that or uh, and then when you find out as an adult you're kind of shocked about some things but Exactly. Yeah. So, so you had the, your, there was a Christian. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, do you guys go to church all the time? Pretty much. Yeah. The, the idea was if the church was open, uh, we, we should be there. So we were there Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, Wednesday night, um, you know, doing our best to, to volunteer different things. Yeah. Um, and so everything was always framed around church. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't play sports on Sunday. Uh, my Martin grandfather didn't even want to mow the yard on Sunday. Okay, um, we were still allowed to go out to eat on Sundays yeah. and make other people work, but it was it was communicated that if we are good planners, we can get done in six days what we need to get done in seven. Right, and so that Sunday was the day of rest, and there there was quite a bit of structure. You know, we have we've maybe mentioned before that you and I came. We come from a similar denomination. Right, right. I started out in the Church of Christ, similar to you. Right. And I, and again, it may just be 
being a kid growing up in the faith, but it definitely felt like a lot of rules, a lot of things Mm -hmm. to be done. Um, Even in the church of Christ, even a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ needs to be followed up with baptism right right away. Right. Uh, When I was, when I was a kid, I remember the big debate was we were at church, we were at church camp and someone made a decision to follow Jesus, but they wanted to wait until next Sunday at their home church to be baptized. And there was a big debate amongst the. What happens if you? you what if there's a wreck? What if there's a wreck on the way home? I'm. I'm not. This isn't hypothetical. No, we I actually. Heard this, I heard the same <laughs> arguments put forth. Yeah. You know, in uh, I think within religion, we we get we get many opportunities to have frivolous conversations, and that was definitely one of those that really missed the heart yeah. of the moment of this of this kid actually surrendering to something bigger than themselves and saying this is what i want right. to be about that's something to be celebrated not debated well true i so, agree with you uh, but well, but again with i think a lot of what i have to share might sound as a critique but it's not it's not a critique for no. in my mind it's a realignment for luke right I, and does that, that make sense yeah, absolutely it makes sense that's that reordering let me ask you this um about uh because I know when I told my story, I, 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 was, I was very clear on that, that I was thankful for the church I grew up in and how there was people who encouraged me. Would you say that when you were a small kid and, and that church experience as a small kid, from a relational standpoint and from an influence standpoint, was it positive for you? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, looking back as an adult, even the moments where I didn't feel love, I can still identify that the person was trying to portray love. They were trying to be love. And for me, I, I look back at all the things that were done wrong to me, the trauma in my life, if you will. And I boil that down to just saying, I experience trauma when I'm expecting love and don't receive it. Does that make sense? Yeah, to our expectations of other people. Right, and and so like in business, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that I have any trauma. Now I'm sure that there's events that influence me, but any in terms of like that was traumatic. No, because I never went into the expect expectation of being loved. I went in feeling like this is all secular. It's positives and negatives. It's red numbers and black numbers. There's no emotions. There's no feelings. It's just business, and so you can't really hurt me. When I'm already told, telling myself there's no emotions involved. Well, don't you think that's because you have a little bit more control over it? Absolutely. You yeah. Know, and yeah. we don't have control over other people, which sometimes, a lot of times we wish that we did have control over them and how they perceive us and how they treat us. But exactly. obviously we don't. So so that positive, there was positive, that's part of your foundation is that church experience. And, and you would say that was, I mean... I think everybody that was brought up in any kind of religion, the positive is there if they're mm-hmm. treated with grace and love, but there's baggage. Right. So, and you've identified a little bit of that. So that was a that was foundational for you. But I, I also know your your story, and I was a part of your life at this time, even though I probably didn't know the impact. But your dad passed away when you were 11 years old. So t- tell me a, l- a little bit about that and yeah. and how that happened and 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 because uh, that obviously was was a point that just uh, you know just brought a lot of trauma to your life and, and impacted you in in a way that that hadn't impacted other other folks who have had their parents uh, for a long time. So tell me about that a little bit. Absolutely. Losing my father at 11 was single-handedly the worst and the best thing that's ever happened to me. Okay. Just flat out. Um, Before my dad died, he was kind of the trendsetter in our family. He was, my positive experience at church was in part because he was an elder. He had opened doors. We talk about privilege, you know, and the things that are given to us that maybe we didn't earn. I was always thought of as being a spiritual person because of who my father was. He was just a leader in the church. So when I was 11, my father unexpectedly died in a road accident. He was driving an ag equipment piece of machinery and it overturned and it killed him. 
complete surprise, complete shock. And I'll, I'll never forget that day. Um, in, in part because recently as an adult, I've taken time to reconstruct every minute of that day because I found, and I realized as I aged, I tried to smooth over that experience. Just like how things were smoothed over for me, I was trying to smooth over details myself and not truly living what that experience was. And so really it's, it's only been maybe three or four years that I could actually sit down and, and give an account of what that day was hour by hour. And that's not for what this episode is, but what I can tell you about that day is that I was in sixth grade and I remember the phone ringing in our, in our class and the phone phone barely ever rang in our class because it's always the office calling the, right. the the classroom. And so when I got called out to head down to the office, I knew that Friday morning, it was like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I knew something was up. Something wasn't good. And then when I get out to the hallway and I'm walking down to the office, I see that my sister's coming out of her fourth grade class. Mm. And I'm like, this, this doesn't seem right. Like I, I had already had a, a sense of something, something has happened. Yeah. And the school was kind enough to give my mom and our, our pastors and some close relatives a room, the band room, to meet with my sister and I to, in that moment, tell me that my dad had died. And, Butch, the thing that I remember the most is that the minute I was told that, the very second I was told that my dad was gone, I went completely numb. Can't even imagine. Like, yeah, like just it's just, imagine. it's just completely... Like sometimes in the movies, they'll they'll put like a ringing in the ear type of effect and everything's like slowed down and yeah. blurry and nothing was blurry, but it did feel like it was just a me, yeah. just everything yeah. just completely died down. Um, the only like consider it like the drunkest you've ever been without like being happy or drunk. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Being completely numb, like they, they could have pinched anything on me and I would have just sat there. And I didn't realize that. It, like That doesn't make any sense that you would have such a emotional response to a physical world. Yeah. And that's kind of how my whole life has been, trying to reconcile the physical piece and the spiritual element. I'm trying to reconcile my physical experience with the spiritual revelations that I've that I've come to know right here on this earth. Yeah. And so after that, you know, that was in October of my of my 6th grade year that uh October 1997 that my dad died. And I've got to be honest that it was like I don't remember feeling much after those those first couple months. In fact, I th- I'm pretty sure I cried myself to sleep for about 40 days straight of just just feeling completely alone um when because this was before i hit adolescence i hadn't had any arguments with my father you know i can count on one hand the amount of times he yelled at me yeah in 11 years which is which is pretty crazy he was just that type of guy and and so i I do remember him by the way and i i just remember him as just being a super nice guy mm-hmm. i mean cordial uh, uh, soft-spoken uh, and and i and again just a super nice guy because you you'd played on the basketball team when you're in fifth grade so right. i i knew right. your dad then but then this happened in sixth grade and so and i coached you in sixth grade as well so but that was after your dad had passed away so i just want right. to say that i do remember your dad and 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 I can understand why he wouldn't have had any much conflict with you because that didn't seem to that that was didn't for to me didn't seem to be he uh, that he was the kind of guy that would you know have much conflict with anyone really. He didn't. He he really didn't. the he, The only coping mechanism he had with people was to make fun of them behind their backs. That's literally <laughs> the only thing that he did. That's like ah, I don't know about that. Yeah. And, and and that's what made his funeral so difficult because everybody was his best friend. Yeah. And then I'd be like, yeah, but I, I know what he like. Yeah. I, I've heard him roast he you. Let his, like, he let like, his guard down around you. So, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Because he was showing me he was showing me the dichotomy of the world. Yeah. You, you like to use the word tension. The, yeah. And I love I love that idea. Um, but he was just showing me that not everything is as it seems yeah that yeah like 
this is how I'm going to act to this person. This is how I want to show God's love. But it actually does take a toll on me. And he was a small business owner. He had crazy critiques. There, there was one time he took me out on a call. He had a farmer call him up and said, I know one of your guys backed into my farm equipment. And my dad said, okay, okay that might have happened. I don't know. I'm not going to admit to it on the phone. I'm coming out there. And so I was working with him that summer. And I was like fourth grade, you know. And he's like, Luke, let's go. We're going to go. We're going to go talk to this guy. And we got there and he was hotter than hot, already yelling. And then he saw me in the truck with my dad and, you know, getting out of the truck. And he really calmed it down right away. So I'm starting to think that maybe Dwayne took me along for uh, for a little did. bit of, yeah. a, you know, <laughs> smooth things over. But what we came to find out, I, I observed my, my dad that day and he just asked questions. He didn't he didn't defend himself. He didn't, he didn't do anything except for ask questions. And we were only there about 30 minutes because we were able to find out and look right where the, the, the farm equipment got backed into. And we noticed that there was paint left over from that smudge. And we knew that my dad's, all my dad's trucks were white. Oh, okay. Not blue. Yeah. Like the blue smudge that was placed on that, on that, uh, it was a international harvester. Okay. And guess who had blue trucks? The farmer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I and I watched my dad. He was just like, "Well, I don't have blue trucks. How'd that blue paint get there? Who here has blue trucks?" He just used questions. Yeah. He didn't say, "You're the one with the blue trucks. You yeah. wasted my time. You called me out here. You wanted me to just pay you five hundred bucks or whatever." Like, you know, he'd never actually in that moment he didn't hold that person yeah. to task. See, it's it's interesting that even though you only had your dad for 11 plus years before your 12th birthday, that you can recall those stories and you recall how he responded in a situation like that. So that was part, in my mind, that was part of his molding you and it still carries forward even though you had him only for a short time. Now, I, in my opinion, you got shortchanged. I mean, I, I just, I'll just say it that way. You sure. got shortchanged, sure, uh, because you lost your dad. You didn't have your dad to be to see you get married and see your kids being born and see you become the man that you are. So, I, I you know, I feel that you got shortchanged. And sure. I'm sure you had, you probably have, have had to work through that yourself. Have you not? I have, I have. And that's, that's why I consider it the worst and best thing to ever happen to me. Okay. I want, I want to understand, I understand the worst, but I, you, you need to unpack the best thing. Cause I kind of, when you say that, I, 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 I kind of, I go, I'm really, so yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I tell, help me understand what you mean by the best thing. First, understand it's tough for me to say that because I have family members that don't accept that. Okay. So, right. so it is tough to say it, but it is absolutely true when I sit down and I take audit, when I look back at my life. When I lost my dad at 11, all, all structure, all protection, all safety, all comfort, all of that, gone. Yeah. Absolutely dissolved. Yeah. I'm taught like, why did I, why did I cry for what I think is 40 days straight? Cause I was just terrified, just absolutely terrified because a father tells you what to do. You know, you, you go and you tell a dad like, Hey, I'm struggling with this in sports. He's going to tell you what to work on, yeah. you know, or I want to do this in, in life with a career. He's going to tell you w- what training you need, who to go work with many times, at least a lot of my friends, their dads, are the ones getting their first jobs. Yeah. Not for me. I was filling out yeah. a job application. Right. You know. So back to back to this like uncovering like it was my rite of passage into manhood essentially because I look at other societies, other cultures if you will, and many of them hold different rites of passage that that men have to walk through or they have initiation exactly an initiation of of sorts yeah and losing my father was 
my initiation into the world. Okay. That and, make, I mean, that makes sense. I, I'm following you. And, and so <clears throat> that numbness eventually started to wear off. Okay. And it started to turn into what I can now say is depression. Mm. Just like w- when I started feeling again, it was just sadness. Yeah. And it was just drowsiness down in the dumps. But here I am surrounded by Christians and it was the best place for me to be because they kept reminding me of hope. Yeah. And they kept reminding me of, of Jesus's words. And so, <clears throat> and, and I, you know what, when you say that, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to come back to that order. Okay. Because up till that time, your life was fairly ordered. Was it not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then as an 11 year old boy, sooner than what sooner than most people experience it chaos or disorder entered your life right right right. that's correct so you you've had to work through this at a lot younger age than most people would have to work through it is what i'm getting at right right so tell me keep going i mean you're yeah you you and i can't i don't understand it because i've not experienced it but you said that even, you know, when you kind of came through, you were, uh, you know, some depression had set in. What is that a year later or is that just kind of all together or is that or, or did that depression last for a period of time? Give me a time frame here. Yeah. Yeah. So this was about this was about six months after six to eight months after okay. I found myself at that church camp that I was just talking about where we were having the ecumenical dis- oh, debate. I want to ask you, had you been baptized by the way at the, by this point? I had, I had, okay, and by right. my, and by my father. Okay. All right. Um, and it was, it was a special, okay, a great, special, yeah. uh, uh, experience. Yeah. And, uh, and so yes, after six or eight months, I'm, I'm starting to feel again, but I'm starting to just feel the sadness of everything. And it was starting to affect things that I considered my identity. Um, and like back then, baseball was big to me. Yeah. My dad was a catcher. He taught me how to catch. I was on all-star teams and I always batted cleanup. Yeah. It's just it's like I expected to bat cleanup yeah. all through, all, all, all coming up. Well, that, that spring after my dad died, you know, I, I stopped going out. I didn't have someone to go out in the backyard after dinner and, and throw catch with. I didn't have someone to take me to the batting cages. Yeah. And that's when I started to get demoted. That's when, and, and I had a great coach. Fantastic. He, he, he came to me and explained it. And he's like, you've got some stuff going on, man. Like, like you're just not hitting and yeah. it, we don't expect you to hit. Yeah. And, uh, I've, and funny enough, I've I've reconnected with that coach in the last six months and met up at B Dubs and you know, we we've had some really great Good. talks about like how how that really woke me up. Yeah. That like there is no covering. There is no Dwayne Martin showing up with me to practice telling the coach, like, hey, I played in high school, this kid can play, yeah. I'm working him out. You know, there there you lost was your advocate. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the least grounded ever, you know, six to eight months after my dad died, I'm feeling no hope. The the one sport I enjoy, my connection to my dad, I'm getting demoted. I'm not even doing that well. And I don't know how I ended up at the, at Round Lake Christian Assembly, but one day I did that summer and I didn't have any responsibilities. Someone that gave me a ride must've been doing something at the camp. And I just sat out on there on their pier that went out into the lake and they had a gazebo there. Okay. And I was just sitting there and I was just thinking back to everything that I've been taught in church and all the Sunday schools and, you know, cast your cares, cast your cares, cast your cares, just all these different things kept coming through my mind. And I just sat there and I said, you know what, God, like I'm, I'm trying to do all of it, but it's just not working. And I sat there for probably an hour and just told God that this, this isn't, this isn't working. This isn't the deal I want. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested. I have no intention of living my life down in the dumps. And if this is what Christianity brings me is just saying goodbye to the people I love, then I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. And as I was talking to him and just having that dialogue in my, in my mind, right. 
a warmness came over my chest. A warmness and a peace came over my body that up until that point I had not experienced. Yeah. And so I said, and, and Gideon in the Old Testament has always been my favorite character. Oh, like, I, I hope I get to meet him someday because he's the guy that identif- I identify with the most. I love to have a big group of people around me. I love to have resources. I love to be well-suited, well-situated for whatever we're going into. And he was a dude that I think he did too, but God was just like, no, you don't need these guys. No, you don't need these guys. But what I love about Gideon is that he tested God. Even though we're not supposed to test God, Gideon had that fleece that he was throwing out and he didn't just throw it out once, (laughs) you know? He really couldn't be convinced to, t- to be obedient yeah. until he was convinced, and then yeah. it was game over. And I, I pretty much just said that to God. I'm like, look, I need a sign right freaking now. Like, I, I am absolutely done unless you show me something right now. Absolutely right, right, right now. Yeah. And I know that other folks have, have probably prayed that prayer, but... And I, I don't know that everyone has gotten an answer and all of that. That's that's for their that's their journey for them to unpack. I am. That's true. But Butch, what I can tell you about me is that there there was no lower spot for me to get that day. Yeah. There was no more humility that I could have brought into my life. When Does I, that make sense? Yeah. And when I hear you telling that story, and again, uh, you know, the we're talking about the love of God here. And you, as a 11, you may have been 12 by that point, are hurting. Right. You're desperate. Right. You've been, you've had this foundation of faith from your church. You've heard these things. You've heard Bible stories your whole life, and you're desperate. Right. And so you cry out, and somehow this loving presence right. envelops you and gives you this warm feeling over your body Mm -hmm. that basically says it's going to be okay. Right. Right. So that, that, that was a, that was a critical moment for you. Now, let me ask you this, but it, but it gets, it gets better though. Okay. Go ahead. In that moment. All right, go ahead and and finish that. Cause then I'm going to, I want to ask you something else uh, in connection with this, this chaos and, and then reordering, because that really, that's, that's the point of starting for you to, reorder it now reordering right. can take years right right, right. But, exactly. so go ahead and finish finish your uh, what you were saying even, even with that warmness i was still doubting okay okay well yeah i think we like, all do yeah and and i still i still needed a sign and wonder a sign or wonder okay and that's that's where you'll you'll hear that with me the more episodes we'll record i'm, I'm always looking for signs and wonders because that to me says you're you're plugged into the spirit world. Yeah. But there's more to explain with that later. But I was I was telling God right now I, I need to see something that shows me that I am talking to God. I'm not just talking to myself. And that the this warmness is true. I can trust this and that this is from heaven. Yeah. But it was not supposed to rain that day. It wasn't like there was a few clouds in the skies, but it was not supposed to rain that day. And the minute I said that, show me a freaking sign right now. I mean, I like you have to understand that, that God and I have a very unique way of speaking to each other, and I'm allowed to swear to God. I'm a, I, he wants me to use wholesome. He wants my whole heart, wholesome words. And if I don't use swear words, that's not a complete picture of my heart. And so him, he and I have very literal conversations. And in that moment, I was like, no, you've, you've, you've done me dirty. It's now time. You know, I've heard of deals with the devil to become good at playing fiddle or playing guitar, you know, and it's like, no, it's time for me to make a deal with my creator because right now I've paid some big debits. It's time to get a credit. And in that moment, Butch, as I'm sitting on that gazebo, just a wall of rain just from one side of the lake came over, hit the gazebo in me, and then continued on. And just as, just as quick as it came, it was as quick as it left type of a rain. You know, we get those all the time yeah. in Ohio. And I said, and that's why I said, yeah, I was like, I've seen that before. We, we do that all the time. Like we get that all the time in Ohio. And I said, you got to show me something else. Like, yeah. cool. 
cool, but not enough. Right as I said, not enough, there was about 30 to 40 bluegill that came to the surface right where I was sitting by that gazebo. I did not have bread. I was not throwing anything in, but 30 to 40 bluegill just came up to the surface and they were just like looking at me as I sat there. And it was in that moment that I said, fine, I'm good. I believe it. You've got my attention. And I've come across, I have close friends that are atheists. I have family members who are, are, are as secular as you can be. There is no spirit world. There is nothing. I, that I have no problem with any of that because I know for myself that one day is what I hang my hat on because it, it makes no sense why 11, almost 12 year old kid on a gazebo at a church camp after dealing with six to eight months of just numbness or even downright depression, it changed all of it there for me that day. Yeah. And, and I, when I hear you tell that story, um, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, that's your story. Right. And I've never heard you say that before. And I'm sure that you don't go out and say, tell people that all the time, but it's fantastic that you can look back and find a particular moment. And I think maybe, and, and I, I can't prove this, but it, it seems to me that people who have experienced incredible trauma, somehow they get an extra grace right. extended to them, an extra measure. Right. I, I can't prove it, but I've heard other stories from people who have experienced significant trauma. And I would say that your dad dying at 11, uh, you dying at 11 was significant trauma. Right. And because I've, I've, I, the problem we get into is then we all try to compete with all of these God stories. Right. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and well, I've got one too. Let me think. Or, exactly. we, or we feel like we've got short change because we don't have a fantastic God story. Right. Right. You, you're only the third person I've said that to that story because. Well, a lot of other people are going to hear it now, which is good, exactly, which is good. They need to hear it. And that's the beauty of this environment that I feel open to talk to you knowing full well that there's other people that will hear it. But the reason I don't share it is because it's mine. Yeah. And you don't, you don't critique what's mine. When we ask God for something, we, if our hearts are not open to seeing it and receiving it. Okay. See, you were open to seeing it and receiving it. And so when you see these signs, they impact you. Right. There right. is, there's my sign. Thank you, God. Thank you for showing me something. Right. Right. And, and that's a, I, 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 we can't, we shouldn't ever take anything away from people's God stories. Right. Right. Because the mystic, the mystery behind all of that is in that category of mystery. Right. Right. And it should stay there, mm-hmm. you know? So, that that uh, that event that time that was uh, in my mind when i hear you tell that story that got your attention and it was gave you comfort to know that i'm not going to be in this state forever the the one thing that the one superpower that losing your father at that age gives you is the power of observation mm-hmm. so i so my my best teacher's gone right? When my dad dies, my best teacher leaves. I have to observe in order to, to make my way through the chaos. Yeah. Because what I found is that what you're taught isn't exactly what you should be taught. And it's hard to, it's hard to articulate this, but sports would be a good example. So my father, my father dies. I'm no longer practicing baseball every night. My playing time specifically is affected and I'm getting moved down the order. Well, I go to my coach and I say, how do I, how do I get back up to, to batting number four? And he said, well, look, you got to have, you know, you know, last year you had X amount of home runs. You're not even on pace for that. You know, he, he went to the metrics of it and that was all correct. Like these are the things I need to get up, but it wasn't discussed how. 
Mm. And it, I didn't have a partner to walk through me w- with me through those things to then create those results. Yeah. And what I observed is that, yeah, a lot of people will tell you stuff, but you need to observe what they're doing with their own kids to figure out what you right. should be doing. Right. And so I, I've never had a problem on sports when I would just observe the coach and his kids, what he would be having his kids do. I would observe that we're all leaving while they stay at the, at the baseball field. They're all at the baseball field before we even get here. Yeah. You start observing things and then you're like, oh, that's why that kid's doing yeah. so well. Oh, that's why this is that. And, and so my whole life since then has just been observing. And I'm found, I have found myself in positions just to observe. Uh, let's just stay with baseball. I've always been a catcher. It's the one position that you observe everything before the pitch. Right. You observe everything. You are the only one with a different perspective. Yeah. Everybody else is looking a totally different direction, and you get to look the opposite the reason way. Reason that catchers, if you look at the major league managers, there's a uh, incredible number of them used to be catchers. Right. For the reason that you're talking about. Right. And by the way, you, I, when you say your superpower is observation. I would agree with that. I think you can size up a room better than anybody. You you get well, a feel you. you get a feel for what's going on and who the people are as uh, probably quicker than most folks do. And I and now that you're uh, telling your story, I can see that as a young man, you were you were you had to do that. It, right. Some of that was survival. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, a lot of it had to be just survival. Exactly. And, and you just looking around without having your main guide and having to guide yourself. Am I missing something there? No, that 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 is correct. That is that's absolutely and, correct. And, I mean, you in that old saying, picking yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, that was put on you fairly quick mm-hmm. in your life. Absolutely, and it came with some baggage, which we'll get to. Is uh, once I chose a partner and was married, then I I had a mirror that was showing me the baggage that I've collected with that thought process of it's me, it's only me. And if this problem is going to be solved, it's up to me. You know, just jumping forward as a married man, my wife would always be like, why, why are you so worked up about this? Why? Like, just let it go, let it go. And I'd get so angry because I'd be like, everybody else gets to let it go. Who's the guy that makes sure that everyone can let it go? It's me. I'm the one that has to take this meeting. I'm the one that has to sign the contract. It's at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, this, it, it's, it makes sense though. Uh, as I hear you tell your story that you had, you had to become a man quicker than what most men do. Right. Right. You had to grow up quicker. Right. You had to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You had your radar up sooner than what most people do. Looking around, reading the rooms, who the relationships. Right. And then also protect had you had to be doing a lot of that to protect your own heart. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, observing protects it, but then the second thing is that I realized you can either be overestimated you can be estimated or you can be underestimated and I, i've always made a conscious effort to be underestimated in everything until it's time to shine yeah until it's time to step up and and take care of something take care of a need it is always good to be underestimated and so you're you're so right like i i liked being more quiet and i was only funny just to make people laugh I'm more introverted and extroverted. I feel I feel 50-50 both. Yeah. Truly. I understand. Does that I, make sense? Yeah, because I'm that way myself. Right. So. It's like whatever the moment needs. Yeah. But grow but up until a few years ago, these these were my these were my survival methods. Yeah. Back back to this whole my spouse has been huge to allow me to see the bigger picture of myself, to yeah. see kind of if you if the camera was above to see how I'm interacting yeah. with others. And that's when I realized, you know what, I, I'm not so different as from the folks that don't identify as, as Christians. I'm not so different from the secular world. I'm not so different from the business world. I am just putting on polish, so to speak, 
for as long as it is, as it is there, for as long as I have energy, I can be nice to Butch. But as soon as I get hungry, as soon as I'm tired, as soon as I know that I've got a meeting right after this one, I'm going to be now on my agenda and I'm not going to actually see the person who's sitting down in front of me. And that's where I want, that's where Andrea helped me understand this of like, you know what, when you like, I am part of the cycle. So I, I, for maybe like five years, I knew that like there were parts of me that was hard to live with. I knew that there were just those edges and, and those different things that, that when the, whatever the cyclical piece was, I knew that I was tough to live with, but I didn't think that my marriage was in any trouble. So in 2017, maybe I think it was 2018, my wife comes to me and she says, hey, um, this couple that I follow on Instagram, they, they're putting on this marriage retreat down in Nashville, Tennessee. I think we should go. Okay. And up until this point, every marriage retreat we've gone to is just like a weekend down in Holmes County with the pastor of the church yeah. or maybe maybe a, a leader from a small group in your church. And those are great. Those are fine. But this would be the first time we've ever done something completely detached from anyone that we knew. And we'd be driving down to Nashville uh, just for this marriage retreat all, all on our own. I was open to it. Like, again, when you learn from everyone and you don't attach yourself to any teacher, you're open to almost anything. Right. You know, you can right. be a new wineskin and 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 later then filter out is this real or is yeah, it not you right. know experience what you need to experience and then later on take stock of it yeah and so i was like yeah let's let's go down there let's let's have a good time it's these these people have recorded worship songs with bands that we've listened to like they've they're they're really good musicians and now they're sharing what they know about marriage great let's go let's go find this out fully expecting to be scripture this bible verse that and I don't think we cracked open the Bible the whole weekend. And they split us into guys and gals. And, and the, the guy spoke to us men for a while. And he was like, listen, raise your hand if you believe that you have the breath of God. Okay. Never, and I've never been asked that question, mm-hmm. Butch. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I've, I've sang the Newsboys song, breathe on me, breathe, oh, breath of <laughs> God. You know, and I'm like, I'm like thinking through as he's like, raise your hand if you believe this. And I'm like, whoa, do, do I? And I'm like adding it up of, of all my experiences. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. This whole world was spoken into existence. That's Let right. there be light. Yeah. yeah, I do believe I've got the breath of God. Yeah. And then he f- went on to unpack what that meant for him. And he's like, look, the way I view it, if I have the breath of God, that means I'm breathing in God's oxygen. And we know through science what happens to oxygen in our blood and our red blood cells absorbing it and all of this. And he goes, so... I've got to believe that God is in me. Like that's my divinity is that if I'm breathing, right. I'm carrying God. Yeah. And I, that all made sense, but a light bulb just went off in my head. You know, I would say that I have believed that up until that point, but my life experience has been more about the sheep separating the sheep and the goats. Yeah. It's been more about categorizing people and determining where they are because that's when you can determine what their actions are going to be and it finally i always struggled with do not judge when jesus says do not judge i struggle with that because i'm like but but god i'm an observational learner because you took away my teacher i don't feel that i'm judging i feel that i'm just observing and is it bad if i see these trends and can predict what this guy's going to do based upon his past like is that me right. judging it doesn't feel judgmental it just feels like making a business decision yeah. <laughs> see yeah. how i can have av- you know sure, like i, know what I you're can saying. justify everything i do and that's the that's the I danger think we of all it can. right yeah so these are the things that i'm like talking with god about of like no, I actually, I think I'm going to believe this, God. Like, I believe that I carry your breath, and I'm going to believe that other people carry your breath. And that, that one pivot, I like to call it a pivot, because in basketball, a pivot doesn't mean you're leaving where you're at. Right. It means you're just moving within your Changing own rules. Yeah, you're, you're just getting a different perspective. Yeah. And that really put me on a path of, hold on, hold on. I'm carrying the breath of God. And then I started to think, okay, what if I start to believe the things that Jesus said about me, that Jesus said that people will be able to do when Jesus said, hey, 
look at what I'm doing, but soon I'm going to send you someone that's going to empower you to do even more. And when Jesus was speaking, I think it's in Matthew, he, he ended it with, and I tell you that there's people here listening to this that will not see death until the Son of Man returns. Yeah. I mean, just some crazy things that he has said that hasn't been taught on in my church experience. I was able to, okay, if I carry the breath of God, I can now actually, that put me in a posture to actually receive the truth about what Jesus was saying about me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Even praying the prayer, Jesus, I accept you into my life. All of this, even that, and people might say like, I had a transformative experience when I accepted Jesus into my heart. And it's like, no, not for me. I've had a transformative experiences when I've allowed my head to accept something into my heart and that peace that passes all understanding of like, no, Jesus said some things that freak me out. Lazarus was dead for four days before he brought him back to life. And here he is then saying that I'm going to be able to do greater things than he because of someone he's sending who we believe to be the Holy Spirit. But yet my church upbringing, you didn't dare talk about the Holy Spirit. The Bible had been elevated to the third deity and, and, and you had to, Everything from God had to line up with the Bible. Even if it was good and perfect, you still had to find something in the Bible that validated what what it was said. And that's where then I started just to say, hold on, hold on. What if we question everything but cling to the words of Jesus? And what I found was that my life experiences all resonated and correlated with what Christ taught as I started to say, you know what, let's leave away, let's, let's put away man's assumptions that they've put on me and let's just commune with God. I've got his breath. And I just ended up making another deal with God, Butch. I said, I've, I've, I've said to God, look, when I'm in my secret place with you, when I am grounded and when I have my breathing in sync, and, and we can talk more other episodes about what I believe about how our head and heart make up God in me, the masculine and the feminine. There's so much to unpack there, but that's where I've realized that, okay, when I'm in this secret place with you, God, I'm not going to follow a Lord that deceives me. I'm not going to follow a faith that I then have to run to the pastor to be like, is this real? Is this true? That's, that's too slow for me. The the boat's already left the dock. If I've got to go validate it with other people, Does that make sense? And the only way that I can truly bring grace into a relationship is when I'm grounded and I know and I have my needs taken care of. And it is only then that I can then be a part of the community. It's only then that I should be reaching out to people. What are your what do you do to center yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, what what do you look to do? What simple things and simple ideas do you look to to center you in this love of God and and to continue to push you to seek more and more this love of God and then to find common ground with others who are seeking as well? Right, right. That's that's a great question. What, what has come out of this journey with the the marriage retreat? losing losing my father at 11 um be, becoming a father and holding my son for the first time in my arms and realizing I, there is nothing that he can do that would separate him from my love and there's nothing he could do that would ever want me to destroy him or to eternally damn him to yeah. some place and so these these experiences kind of changed my whole thought process process on it and you're right i came to the conclusion that if i want the grace to live out my truth that I feel God is speaking into my life. I also need to give that to other people. And I, I, and I don't want to be judgmental and I don't want to be, uh, you know, assuming things of people. I I want to live my life as a new wineskin, truly to be, to know what I can hold, but then also being able to swell or to change, to hold it. And where, where I came back to, I was just like, you know what? I need to create a Martin family vision because my boys are, are they're probably going to be very similar to me in terms of just wanting to make the most out of life. Right. And they're probably going to go places right. that I don't necessarily want to go, right. honestly. And they might be, bring people back home 
that I don't necessarily want to bring into my home. Just the reality of it. I'm human, you know, still have my prejudices and I want to work on that. And I'm like, you know what, what's something we could all live underneath? And that's where we came up with the Martin family vision. I like that. It's got five elements to it. Be still. And that starts with, with the breathing and part of this marriage retreat, we talked about the power that the breath has over the body. And so I always tell my boys that, you know, praying is great, but you also need, when you're talking to God, you need to make sure that you're rhythmically breathing and that you're bringing in his breath truly into your body as you're talking to him. And to attach that then to our scriptures, ours being Christian scriptures and, and, and Judeo Christian scriptures, be still and know that I am God. Right. So to to know God, there has to be stillness. So that's, that's a great, I think that's, that's, you know, as in those attributes, those Martin family attributes, you've got that listed number one, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Cause that's, that's where it all comes from. Like, Like, where does this love come from? Everything on this earth comes from something else. Every time I lie, I, it's because I can trace it back to when I was, I, t- I taught myself, hey, you lied and got away with it here. This, like right. everything I've done, I was, I learned from something else. Yeah. And so, yes, it's like, yeah, this love that we're after, we have to be still to, to receive That's that good. from God. Mm-hmm. The second piece is be you. Okay. And I define that as, as separating your needs from your wants. And I, this is where I try to live my life that I am just truly grateful for having the breath of God. And you could take everything away, everything else from me. And I try to boil my gratitude down to just being right here. And like, it's not about having food in the fridge and it's not about having what this in the bank account or that in the garage that does not establish my, my gratitude. I've, I've made a lot of money and I've had times where I don't make any money and trust me, both can be empty. Yeah. That that it doesn't money and possessions do not determine gratitude. And that's where I've just kind of distilled it down and teach it to my boys that you need to know the things that you need and you need to know the things that you want. Right. And so to, for specifically, do I need to be right or do I want to be right? right? And so when I interact with people, if I need to be right, that looks completely different than if I want to be right. Yeah. Because many times our needs, if we don't have them, it creates desperation. Once, if we don't have them, it's just not today. That's not today. Maybe tomorrow. You know, once we're not so tied to, but needs like needing air, needing food, needing clothing and shelter. If you live in Northeast Ohio, you know, this isn't Hawaii. You know, these are specific needs that you have. And honestly, I'm not to the point where if those needs aren't taken care of, I'm not the greatest person to be around. It's yeah. just the truth. I think like, that's true with everybody. That's the human side yeah, of me. Is, that's the is. humanity. Yeah. But I used to think that there were other needs that I had. Yeah. The needs to be right. The need to be liked. The need to be all these other needs. I realized, no, no, no. With God, I can just turn those into wants. So to, to bring that back and, and what you're, I mean, be you. If we are ourselves. I know my, one of my grandsons just recently, I thought he was watching him play basketball. He's pressing a little bit. And I said, just be you. Yeah. Play your game. Right. Be who you are. Right. Be authentic. Mm -hmm. So that's what I hear you saying is that it's, it's being you is being authentic. Is that, is, is that a, a, Absolutely. Yes. And and you can see where my life experience is shaping this, this vision, because there's, there's a lot of things I've been around that I've been asked to be a part of that honestly, Butch, maybe I didn't want. Yeah. And I just said yes to it because, you know, again, some scripture verses have been used to be like, yeah, if they ask for it, you better give it to them. But then the other scripture verse, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, there's things that's like, no, I don't want that, but here I am still doing it. And that's where I've lost some friends where I, I, you can call them boundaries if you want, what it, whatever it may be. But I know who I am. And if you're looking for a specific role to serve this purpose in this organization or whatever it may be, I, many times I can say no to that now. Whereas in the past, it was like, no, well, Paul said I got to be all things to all people. Yeah. You know, well, how, what good is that if I can't do it tomorrow because right. I just spent all my energy today? Yeah. You know, so... 
I want to do these things daily. You know, God says his mercies are new every morning. Right. And that's where then being you determines, no, I can do that or no, I can't be a part of that. So be still, be you. And now that you know who you are, it's time to be committed. Okay. Um, so real, real quickly, just to run through that, uh, I always start with be committed to a sexual partner for life. For another conversation, I think that I don't think there's any power more strong on this earth than sexual energy. Yeah. Be committed to a career for as long as it serves a purpose and be committed to a routine because okay. we won't see anything without a routine. Right. You need to have a routine to see results. Yeah. And that's the commitment part. That's the action part. Okay. And then so if we're committed in the action and now we're out in the world, well, how are we supposed to how are we supposed to relate to those people? Well, great. That's the final two parts. Be bold and be strong. Okay. But be bold doesn't mean you're a bull in a china shop. No. Be bold means, hey, I, I'm observing a need here. I'm going to be bold and ask if I'm allowed to, to fill that need. Yeah. I'm going to be bold and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, maybe there's things I don't know here. So I'm going to be bold with questions yeah. and say, Butch, is there something I could help you with? And to me, that, that really is overcoming fear. Right. If you're, that boldness is overcoming fear. Right. Because the fear is what keeps us from doing what we should do. Right. For whatever reason or uh, that we think, for whatever bad we think might happen if we do that or putting ourselves at risk. So I like that. Be bold. Right. It's overcoming fear. So that's that's great. So but it's be, not. But it's also not like Jesus throwing out the money lenders at no, the temple. That no. like it might be that. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying be bold. It's typically in 2024 having the conversations that yeah. you that you're step supposed out, to have. Step right. out. Yeah. And then be strong is the only way that you know. I I wanna I wanna keep no record of wrongs. I I wanna always believe in hope, faith, hope, and love. You know, I want to be all about that. But at the end of the day, knowing that I can I can manage through some of these blows allows me to sit with people. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I think be, being strong is, is uh, pushing through. It's perseverance. Right. It's uh, knowing that uh, whatever it is, you know, as I get older, I'm in, you know, I'm going to take on more health issues. Uh, I see friends that are taking, you know, that have already taken on some significant health is issues and to see them pushing through. Right. Persevering. Right. I see strength. Right. I see strength that I wonder if I can have. Exactly. And so I, I like that. So go say, tell those again, the, 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 uh, Martin family, the Martin family vision vision and go through those again. It's be still, be you, be committed, be bold and be strong. I think those are great. You know, that's and, great. and that's, that's what I try to guide myself with. And it's what I remind my sons, like be, do not be afraid of anything you bring home, like person or problem. Right. Don't, don't be afraid because not only is this the, the, the system that we're going to use for you guys, you get to use it on dad. Yeah. You get to use it on mom. This is the Martin family vision. This is not the parenting vision. This is not anything less than that. It is the Martin family vision. And when it, us as a family, everyone has an equal say. Yeah. And you get to call me out on this and I get to call you out on it. But it's not like calling out. It's it's truly a call out of, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And if your boys embrace that, then they will grow up with that in their uh, right uh, in their hearts right they will live it out and by living it out it'll make you as their dad proud to see right. them living out that vision because it's going to do nothing but bless them and bless other people right and uh and at their, as a result they will be people of influence and the kind of influence that we need in this world that's how we can find the common ground by saying, no, here are the things that guide us, and this is enough. If we ourselves are guided, if you truly believe that you're a son or a daughter of the king, you need nothing else. Yeah. You've got it right here. Yeah. And that's what I've been living out, is that as long as I carry the breath of God, I need not look other places to fill me up. I've got the breath filling me up. I need to find the places to pour out. Yeah. Good.
And that's why I'm excited to continue these difficult convos with people that I don't necessarily agree with. And that's where I can say, Butch, there's going to be topics that you and I, I hope we disagree with. I hope that we've had different life experiences so that we can talk about the areas that the tension exists. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And we will. And we will. I do appreciate our conversation today because, you know, it's important for people to hear stories. And it's through the stories that we connect. There's no question about it. So I appreciate you sharing it today.